Welcome to Lady Overlander Radio. Tonight we have Ellen Waite with Earth Cruiser. Stand by. Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies Night on Lady Overlander Radio. The Lady Overlander Radio Podcast is sponsored by Frontrunner Outfitters, Midland Radio, Go Treads, Sport Keg, CB Adventure Supply, Adventure Trail Outfitters, Overland Spices, and the Moore Expo. Hey Ellen, how are you? I'm great. Great. Hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. Tonight it's just me. Uh, my partner in crime, Misty, is somewhere in Wyoming um, trying to get service slash camp. So uh, it's just me and Ellen tonight, and we're gonna we're gonna entertain you. This is Ellen with the uh, Earth Cruiser. She's gonna be at Pacific Northwest here next week. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. How's the weather up there in Oregon? I hope it's way better than Arkansas because it's terrible here. Yeah, I, I really hate to rub it in, but it's it's perfect. This is the sweet spot. It's warm and dry, and we had a really wet spring, so everything is green. Um, there's still enough moisture to keep the dust down. Like Bend, Central Oregon is in its prime right now. Oh, geez. Well, here it is, um, 102. With a heat index of 111, uh, it's it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> no, <laughs> do, not, do not envy. <laughs> it's, I mean, the hair. I mean, it's, ugh, it's it's just you can't even walk outside. It's it's blistering. It, it really is. And I have a sunburn from last weekend, so I don't even. I'm like a vampire. I don't even want to be out in the sun right now. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, um, tomorrow's 104. Should be around 114, 115 at the heat index. Uh, like that for the next few days. We have had a lot of rain. Uh, things are still green here. They're not crisping up as of yet. But, um, geez, I hope we get some more rain soon. Because in a cool down, at yeah. least to the 90s. But this, I can't do the heat. I can't do the heat like that. You're lucky. Yep. You're we, lucky. we picked a good spot. <laughs> And you don't really even have to travel far for the show next week. Nope. It's right in our backyard. Right there. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, Earth Cruiser and how that began. Yeah. So um, kind of a, a long story. I'll try to cut to the chase. But I uh, spent quite a few years leading overlanding trips for a company called Dragoman, which was based in the UK. Um, Basically, I have always loved traveling and overlanding. I grew up in Alaska, so I was one of those lucky kids that like, I spent wow. all summer with my family. We just threw everything into the truck and drove around the state and went fishing and camping. So I grew up with this absolute passion for the outdoors and wildlife and camping and everything. And then um, when I entered my 20s, I realized I really wanted to see more of the world and I started saving up so I could travel. And one of the first places I went was Peru because I really wanted to see the Amazon rainforest. 
And while I was there, I talked to a woman who had been traveling in South America for six months. And 23-year-old me, my mind was blown. I'm like, how, how do you do this? You know, this is a thing people do. Yeah. And she told me she had been um, with a company called Dragoman. And somebody else said, oh, Dragoman, that's just those kids in those party trucks that travel around. And I'm like, oh. So um, tell me about these party trucks. <laughs> They're like, hmm, that doesn't sound so bad. Um, and so the next big trip I went on, um, I really wanted to see Africa. So I booked a trip with Dragoman and I spent three weeks in a truck with 20 other people and a crew of two. And we went through Kenya and Tanzania and Uganda and went to the Serengeti and saw um, mountain gorillas and got stuck in the mud and had to deal with corrupt police officers at the border and ate weird food and just like everything that international overlanding is supposed to be. And I was absolutely hooked. Um, so I continued to travel through my life and um, I was a very adult job. I was working as the director of marketing for a commercial real estate company. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is 2009. And as you know, real estate wasn't doing so well um, during 2009. So I did what any normal person would do, and I booked a trip to Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, uh, again with this company, Dragomet. And while I was there on this two-week trip, the crew said, you know, you should do this for a living. And I was like, ah, that's a crazy idea. Went back home, the economy tanked, and I thought, maybe this is the sign maybe to do so. this. Yeah. So I literally like rented my condo, sold almost everything I owned, put everything into storage. I had to go and get you know, first aid certifications. I had to get my CDL, my truck license. Um, so I took a school bus out and got my uh, class B CDL and flew to England. And there I spent three months training and the training process, it's a lot of mechanics and a lot of driving. So with Dragoman, you work in a team of two and you've got a big truck. Ours were mostly uh, old converted Mercedes. They were old work trucks, like 1617s and 1820s. And then they had taken the back off of them and put kind of a coach area in them. And that had room for 20 passengers and tents, cooking, and all your camping equipment. And you would take people on these extended excursions. Um, they were usually two or three weeks long, but you could connect them together. So one of the first trips I led started in Cape Town in South Africa, and we spent three weeks going through South Africa up to Namibia, um, into Botswana, and ended in Zambia. And then at that point, some people would go home, some people would come on the trip and join us, and some people would stay. And then the next three weeks, we went all the way up to uh, Tanzania. And you could link all these trips together. So sometimes you had wow. people with you for a couple of weeks, and sometimes they would start with you in South Africa and end with you in Egypt months later. Wow. Right? And oh, wow. Team of two. So um, they were older trucks, which was nice because they didn't have, you know, computers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were pretty easy to fix and pretty hardy, but they still broke down. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of mechanics in the middle of Sahara. So when it broke down, you had to fix it. You had to do all the driving. Um, and then you were also like assisting the passengers with camping and helping them to cook food for the whole group. It was participatory travel. So everyone was supposed to you know, pitch their own tent and help with cleaning and cooking and stuff. But sometimes you had people who had, you know, never spent a night in a tent before. So oh. you're helping these people along and trying to keep them from, you know, killing each other or <laughs> getting hurt and yeah, negotiate yeah. borders and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, 
I started working for them. Um, my first contract, which was 18 months long, was in Africa, um, mostly in the southern part. And then the um, second person I got assigned to work with is now my husband. So we met and worked well together and decided if we could uh, drive a truck together and live in a tent and do this job that, you know, it was kind of like relationship dog ears and it was meant to be. So That's right. <laughs> So 18 months uh, became five and a half years and we worked in Africa together. Our next contract was India and Nepal. And then from there, we did the Silk Road, which was Istanbul to Beijing and back. Um, at that point, we flew back to the States, got married. Um, he's from the UK. So we got married and then applied for his green card and then flew to South America into Brazil and did a loop around South America in a bit and then went back to Africa for another contract and um, Cape down to Cairo. Um, until finally we decided we wanted to settle down. And so we settled down in Bend, Oregon, because it was an area I knew, um, incredible outdoors here. You've got the mountains on one side and the high desert on another, um, mm -hmm. just so much to do. And pretty soon after we moved here, I'm like, there's this company called Earth Cruiser here that makes these big overland vehicles. And um, my instinct was to be skeptical because I'm like, oh, I've done all this overlanding. You know, it's just going to be pretty. It would probably break and I'm going to hate it. And I went into the production facility to apply for a job and I quizzed um, the, the COO about every aspect of the vehicle. I'm like, hey, what happens if that breaks? What if you lose power? And he had an answer for everything. And there's this all this redundancy that's built into the vehicles. And I was converted. So um, I started working for Earth Cruiser doing kind of marketing and customer service. And fairly early on, I said, you know, is anyone taking the owners of your vehicles on trips? Um, you know, our owners are fantastic. A lot of them haven't done international travel. They just picked up their vehicle and they're learning how to use it. And they want to meet other people who have these vehicles. And they said, hey, this is something we've always wanted to do. So I designed the adventure program. So now part of my job is I design and lead about four trips a year um, for small groups of our owners. You have to own an Earth Cruiser to go on our trips. Um, and some of them are domestic and some of them are overseas. So the last trip I did, um, I was in uh, Yellowstone area during the winter because we wanted to do a winter trip and do some winter driving. Yeah, it was amazing. We got really unprecedented access to like the back country of Yellowstone. Um, we were there and like, the only people like watching wolves. It was absolutely incredible. And um, right now planning for a Patagonia trip uh, early next year. So our owners will put their vehicles in shipping containers and send them down to Ushuaia in Argentina. And then we'll do about a three week trip heading up Argentina and uh, Chile to Santiago. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Wow. First of all, I have never talked to anybody that uh, grew up in Alaska. First of all, so that's really cool because that's pretty much on, gosh, I would say just about every overlander's list is to go to Alaska. I know it's very high on my husband's list <laughs> to go to Alaska. Um, so that's very cool just coming out of there. But you have been many places. Yeah. Many yeah. But with Dragoman, I think we counted, it was 42 countries on uh, one, two, three, four, on five continents. So, um, and you get a special experience when you're overlanding, you know, you're not just like popping into the capital city and one, you know, pretty beach, you're driving and you're interacting with the locals because you have to stop at gas stations and, mm -hmm. you know, our... Um, 
our clients, they were, they were called passengers. Our passengers were supposed to cook for the whole group. And you would essentially give them a budget, which was always pretty small. These were budget trips. And you'd send them into a big, crazy market and tell them to come up with food to cook dinner for 20 people. And, you know, you'd send them to a crazy market in India and they'd ask for a chicken and it was handed to them and it was still clucking. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, so we're like, okay, so we got actually really good at butchering animals. <laughs> Some of the crazy stuff. <laughs> Live off the land, literally. Yep. <laughs> Not out of the supermarket. That's amazing. Um, so Bend, Oregon. You okay. said you chose that because it was beautiful there and obviously you like the weather. The weather sounds amazing. Um, how long have you been there? Uh, six years now. Six years. Oh, that's awesome. So when you say um, the owners are going to put their, put their earth cruisers and uh, the containers and stuff, how how difficult is it to ship something like that? That's a great question. It, it, it's, it's not easy (laughs) to be honest. So um, I said, put in shipping containers. Uh, Our EXP was designed to fit in a shipping container. So that's one of the reasons that our roofs um, contract down and pop back up. So you can just put them right in a shipping container. You can also do what they call row, row, roll on, roll off, where it's not a container. Um, The advantage to be in a container is it keeps it protected from the elements. Mm -hmm. If it ends up sitting in a busy shipping port in the developing country, you don't have to worry about theft and things like that. But it is still possible and people all the time ship roll on and roll off. Um, so when you decide you want to go someplace, um, your first step is going to be to talk to an agent and mm-hmm. there's lots of good agents out there and they will not only find like a boat for you, but they will help you to negotiate a lot of the customs process and a lot of the paperwork. Cause there is always paperwork. And then you have to plan a really big window because who knows how long things are going to take. Customs always seems to take longer than you think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I, I helped the owner of Earth Cruiser ship one of his uh, personal vehicles over to Europe last year. And it was, you know, towards the end of COVID, shipping was still a mess. And we could track his vehicle live and we could see it like sitting outside of the Panama Canal, like waiting for hey. its time. Oh, hey, hey, look who's on. Do you have service? Oh, we can't hear you. There you are. Sorry. Hey. Hi, girl. Hi. <laughs> are you there? Kind of. No? Yeah. Sort of. Kind of. Maybe. No, she's frozen. She's frozen. This is technology, oh, people. This is technology. <laughs> Full time overlands. This is what we have to deal with. Sometimes. Yep. Oh, she's got to go off for a second, do her thing. She'll be back on. She's obviously stopped somewhere now, so she's probably good. Maybe. Starlink. Um, yeah, internationally, um, so I've never uh, traveled internationally, so it does pique my interest of what all it entails. Now, we have, mm-hmm. we know several that are doing that and are currently over there. Um, Hourless Life has been traveling, you know, over there this past year. Um and whatnot, and it, it just piques my interest what uh, what all it entails just to ship and get over there. Because uh, from what I understand, you don't have your vehicle for you know four to six weeks, so you have to figure out 
you know, what you're going to do. At least, yeah. In the meantime there, do you fly last minute over there when it gets there? You know, or do you go over there and try to stay and wait? I mean. Yep. I, I, I've spent over two weeks in this tiny town on the Mediterranean in northern Egypt waiting for my vehicle to get through customs. And oh. that was a dance with the customs official who were most likely wanting a bribe, which we didn't want to pay for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's just like that. Um, just got to have patience. <laughs> do you, in your own personal opinion, do you think, feel it's better to stay here stateside until you know it's there and it's trying to clear customs and then you just get a last minute flight and fly in? I think that's a really good plan um, versus having to sit in, you know, port towns tend to not be the most scenic of places. So um, yeah, that's actually a very good plan if you can. Awesome. Oh, she disconnected. I thought she was coming on. Um, yeah. Uh, my husband and I have talked about it internationally, but uh, we still have a daughter um, mm -hmm. in school. So we would probably wait till she's graduated. I don't know if she would, you know, want to, do that she loves the camping part and yeah. doing all that stuff and kayaking and things like that fishing mm -hmm. um, things like that but again the, she's in school so she's still got five years the okay. other option is, is to rent and more and more it's easy to rent really great vehicles overseas so southern africa is a perfect spot for it you can rent a toyota hilux with a roof tent and a fridge and an air compressor and everything you know for like about $150 a day and they're good vehicles and you've got support there. Um, South America is, it's getting more and more popular in Patagonia to rent, you know, things like travel vans. Uh, mm -hmm. Australia has their wicked vans. So, you know, they, it's getting easier and easier to rent. And that's a great way to see like, you know, kind of get your feet wet with international overlanding. Like how, how do I feel about this? Do I like this? And what is it really like? Go and rent a truck in South Africa and, spend three weeks traveling around and most of the time I think you'll be hooked, but it'll be the gateway drug. And <laughs> well, that's just like here, you know, in the United States, you see families, especially this time of year and they're in rental RVs because mm -hmm. they've never done it before and they're right. getting out to try to figure it out, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, but that is a great way to figure it out for you jump head first in because it's, it's a pretty expensive hobby. <laughs> you know, doing what we do. Yeah. Um, we, we had an RV, um, for a long time, a fifth wheel, uh, before we got into overlanding. Um, and in the fifth wheel, you know, it is, it is pricey and stuff, but mm -hmm. what I have learned from switching to overlanding is it's a lot more expensive on this side Yeah. than it is on the RV side. Yeah, I, don't, I, can't I don't think others realize that because you say, you know, rooftop tent, they're just thinking of this little flimsy tent and they don't know that it's four to $6,000 for a regular rooftop tent, you know, like right out of mm -hmm. the gate before you buy anything else, you know, fridges, with, you know. Yeah. Where you do save money is not having to stay in like campgrounds with hookups and all that stuff. Right. I mean, yes, you can boondock with RV, but most people don't do that for extended period of time. And when you're an overlander, you're like, wow. Oh, why wouldn't I just go and disperse camp? It's better anyway. <laughs> all the epic things too. Right. You wouldn't see in an RV. Oh, she just bounced off again. She's teasing us. I know. <laughs> she's on, she's off. She's on, she's off. I don't know what's happening. Um, so when did Earth Cruiser start? 
That was in 2005 in Australia. So Lance and Michelle are the founders there. And essentially they went to build an overland vehicle. Um, they went to buy one and they couldn't find anything that really checked all their boxes. Um, Lance had a ton of experience in you know, driving all over the world. And he likes doing crazy things like winching competitions at the equator in Borneo. That's, you know, he's like, he's a type two fun kind of guy. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, they, they, they went to buy a, a, an overland vehicle. They couldn't find one and they built their own. And pretty quickly after that, people were like, hey, I want to buy that. And that got his gears turning and he started Earth Cruiser. And then, um, gosh, about 2011, I believe it was, uh, they, went, they decided to move to America to be closer to Michelle's family, which is out here in Oregon. And they moved production over here. Awesome. Now, do you have a rig currently? And what is that? Tell us a little bit about the build. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't have a ton of money. So alas, I cannot afford the Earth Cruiser that I would love. Um, <laughs> my husband and I are just running his Ford F-150 right now. And we have, you know, put a, a, a camper on the back and cobbled stuff together, both from like leftover broken bits that we found around Earth Cruiser that were going to be thrown away and stuff we've ordered off of Amazon. So it is not the most luxurious rig, but it's great for the two of us. Whatever works. I mean, like I said, starting off, don't jump into it. Get that regular tent go out camping and explore and just try it first. Yep. Camp in your vehicle, sleep in your vehicle, an air mattress, just a sleeping bag, whatever. You do not have to jump right out into the lake immediately. 100%. 100%. Uh, one of my small peeves about the greater overlanding community is sometimes there's some kind of gatekeeping with it that people think you have to have all mm -hmm. the gear to start. And I'm like, no, you've, you've got a vehicle you're going overland in some sort of vehicle, a car, a motorcycle, a bicycle, and you've got something to sleep in and you're making your food on the road. You're overlanding. Congratulations. That's all you need to get yeah. started. Yeah. So went from the word camping to now <laughs> this word overlanding. But they're pretty much the same, right? I think so. But overlander sounds way cooler <laughs> than camping camper you know right me. i mean i guess kind of the difference is most people when they think camping they're they're in campgrounds and they're staying out for shorted limited times versus overlanding tends to be more dispersed camping longer periods of time less time on the pavement and more time on the back roads and kind of away from the crowds if possible but there's no hard line there's no hard definition between the two no we've done both i mean like said, yeah. years with a with an rv yeah and then we you know, we started with the tent, then went up from there to an RV and then did that for several years. And then now we're back to a tent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, a different kind of tent, obviously, um, <clears throat> than your regular Ozark trail or Magellan on the ground, which there's nothing wrong with that. We took a Magellan to Colorado about yeah. first death, but we did <laughs> um, in September. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, just get out there and just get out there and try it. 
Yeah. And, and I always tell people who are just getting into it that it's not cheating to occasionally spend a night in a hotel or an Airbnb along the way. You got to do laundry. And sometimes you want to stay in a city where you're not going to really be overlanding anyways. That's not cheating. It's fine. You know, get out there in the woods and then have a little luxury stay for a day or so and then head back out there. It's not a lot. A lot of full timers do that. And part-timers do that because like you said, yeah, you got to do laundry and you need to come in and check things and make sure that everything's good back at the homestead or, or whatever you have going on in your life. Uh, but yeah, laundry and get a real shower, you know, and <laughs> feel a little more human again than you know, wipes and spraying off or whatnot, you know, best shower you'll ever have when you hit a hotel or an Airbnb. After you oh get yeah. Out. <laughs> oh yeah. You spend so long in that shower. <laughs> yeah. Like till it runs cold every time, every time. I love it. Misty threw a message on here. She says, I'm so sorry. Starlink isn't cooperating deep in the forest. Yep. Like tree said, coverage is like the bane of Starlink. <laughs> yeah. And it looked like she had quite a bit of tree coverage whenever she was trying to get on, but it is what it is. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I won't give her too hard of a time about it. <laughs> probably will to be honest but it's we'll fun. only talk about her a little bit you know i know so um back to your husband since he was also uh your partner at, at your other job mm -hmm. is he also involved with earth cruiser does he is he still in the industry somehow some way he is and in fact he started working for earth cruiser before i did even so he is on the production side so he actually makes them oh that's awesome yeah that is awesome so Say somebody orders one, mm -hmm. I guess it would depend on what they options they want and stuff, but say it's pretty basic and they, mm -hmm. they ordered one. What is the turnaround time for you to go through production and get that? Yeah. If you were to um, order one now, um, we're talking probably two to three quarters of a year and, until you got it. And then of course it would extend if you, you know, had a lot of extras and you wanted your vehicle wrapped or you had a lot of spare things you wanted to add onto it. That's not really as bad as I thought it would be, to be honest. And a lot of that time is just, you know, waiting for the other vehicles to go down the production line before yours actually gets in production. Sure. Once they go into production, uh, we got it pretty dialed. <laughs> I, I, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. Misty, can you hear us? We can actually see you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Woo! Yay! Yay. <laughs> you chopped down some trees? <laughs> no, I'm on my, my, my phone's working better than the laptop for some reason, so I'm kind of hanging out near the router and leaning on my car and doing this. See, we're in nature with you. Yep, yeah, we got lots of nature going on. Oh, oh yes. yes. Yep, I see back there. Yeah. yeah, Bill and Deb are over there. Yep, I see them. And, um, like four or five other people that are traveling with us. So nice, crazy. Yep. Well, welcome. Thanks. Sorry, I'm late, everybody. <laughs> There's our Queen Lady Overlander. Yeah, we had a long day of trail riding and then trying to find camp. So and then trying to find somewhere amongst the trees that I could get the Starlink up and get out. So awesome. My apologies. No you're worries. Good. So, so you're, you're, you're on your way out to Oregon then for a P&W. Right. I'll be there next week. So 
Fantastic. We'd love to have you come by Earth Cruiser if you want to see our production facility. Take one out for a test drive. Please come by and see us. Do you get to do all the Absolutely. cool stuff? She said that before we got on. I was like, Okay. Yeah, um, I, I plan on doing that, and uh, thank you for the invitation. And and are you going to Pacific Northwest as well? I mean, that's right in y'all's backyard, right? So yep. awesome. Well, I'll see you there as well. Perfect. And we've got a booth, and yeah, we'll be all over. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Do you know what booth number you are yet? Have you found B1. out? Which B1. 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 B is in banana one. Banana one. Bend. One. cannot miss it we're gonna have one of our brand new dual cabs uh in our booth and it is a sexy beast so nice sexy beast can't wait to see it they're so amazing it's crazy when we were at uh, so i heard you guys were i heard you guys chatting about international travel yeah and your recommendation is for people to wait until the vehicle arrives and then travel down it, it's not a bad idea unless, I mean, sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes you're just stuck there waiting for things to get through customs. But in my experience, the whole customs production always takes a little bit longer than you expect. And actually getting the shipping all the way over, it takes a little bit longer than you expect. And you end up kind of hanging out in a port town for a bit waiting for it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, if you don't want to hang out in a sweaty, crowded port town, you could fly <laughs> If you don't have to, yeah. So do you, have you ever experienced any problems with the vehicle arriving before you and then them charging you for storage or any kind of other issues or not really? Not with it arriving beforehand. Um, it depends on where you're shipping to. So uh, when I was doing a lot of shipping with Dragoman, it was uh, between India and Africa and like mm -hmm. Turkey and Egypt and South America. And so um, there was a lot of bribing that was uh, <laughs> that went on and we tried very hard not to um, that was one reason we waited so long in some of our port towns since we tried very hard not to feed into that system by paying bribes but yeah it, it, it would stretch on for quite a while I don't know, she's, she frozen. she's frozen she's frozen she's frozen again at least her face doesn't look weird like they get frozen <laughs> like a little <laughs> and talk to her and they look really Awesome. Well, I was going to tell her about what we talked about as far as, you know, renting and, you know, it's a pretty good, uh, comfortable price to do that. In a lot of places that offer rentals, you could also pick up a local guide, too. So, you know, um, it's nice to have somebody to tell you about the area and to help you navigate a new country. Uh, in Africa, yeah. having a local guide is going to help you to find the wildlife. And, you know, there, there is an art to driving around elephants. They are grumpy and they can run faster than you can reverse. So, you know, having somebody to help walk you through your first encounter with a herd of 20 elephants that's walking past your vehicle can, can be a nice thing. Never thought about that, but I could see where that could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, have, a, have, a, have a look on the internet for um, Kruger yeah. National Park is a big national park in South Africa. And um, that one gets a lot of videos of elephants and rhinos um, chasing after safari vehicles and people were you know, not giving animals appropriate amount of space. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have a problem giving them space, to be honest. <laughs> Very far away from them. I absolutely would. Yeah. I never thought about that, but that's true. I mean, all the different uh, 
wildlife you see out, you know, in other countries. Um, I'm sure there's many, many, many rules. Yeah. Goodbye. As far as not disturbing. Yep. <laughs> disturbing them. So, yeah, I get that. Um, so how many in your, uh, in your booth at Pacific Northwest, how many rigs are you going to bring? I think we're still deciding that there's definitely going to be this brand new dual cab. And then we are offering to kind of our insider customers, um, test drives. Um, there's some great BLM roads right outside of the expo center. And so we're going to be doing some test drives in three or four of our other vehicles, a Terra Nova an EXP and an FX. Um, and then our owners, uh, Lance and Michelle, their personal vehicle, which is a diesel EXP, is going to be on the booth for Radflow, who is kind of partnering with us. They've developed a new suspension, uh, new shocks that they're actually going to put on our vehicle um, at the show, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Now, have you, have you yourself driven one of these? Oh, yeah. Many times, probably. I, yep. I, and occasionally I'm lucky enough that I get to then take one of them on, on our trips, you know, it depends on what vehicles are available, but yes, I've driven pretty much everything from our fleet, at least a little bit. Well, I know since you had your C CDL or still have, um, either or, um, so it's probably not that big of a thing for you to drive something like that. Um, it's it's really not. And even if I didn't have that experience, they're pretty easy and intuitive to drive. I think, you know, they look more intimidating than they are. They mm -hmm. look big, but actually, if you look at their footprint, their wheelbase will fit inside the tracks of a Toyota Tacoma. You can literally park mm -hmm. our vehicles, you know, downtown in parking spaces. They are not as big as they kind of appear. <laughs> They've got big personalities, but their actual footprint is pretty small. Um, really? For most people, I think what it takes getting used to is uh, at the cab over. Um, so in our, you know, our larger vehicles, they're sitting over the wheels, and that just takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, it's one of my favorite things about our vehicles. You've got that huge panoramic view right in front of you, and I like sitting over my wheels. You know, when you're trying to navigate over a boulder, you're like, yep, my wheel is right below my butt, so I know exactly where to aim it. That is true. I mean, that is a plus. For us Jeepers, you know, a lot of them will take off their doors so they can see. Yep. Um, you know, going over obstacles and whatnot versus Absolutely. having your doors on, not being able to see it and hitting something. But yep. I can't imagine even driving one of those or backing one of those. Mm -hmm. For me, it's kind of intimidating just seeing some, you know, something like that um, at West, you know, last month uh, and walking up to them. just like, wow, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, we got to get you out for a test drive because I think you'd be, you'll be pleasantly surprised. You'll be, it won't take you time at all. And you're like, oh, okay. This is not that, that much different. Yeah, no big deal. This. No big deal. <laughs> Do you um, see you guys going to any other shows this year or having plans to? We'll probably be at Mountain West in some formation. I'm not sure. Um, I think we're still trying to decide about SEMA. And then, you know, um, I'm, we're planning some smaller events in the local area as well. Um, let's see. Mountain West is the end of August. Mm -hmm. uh, are you going to go to the Teton Overland Show in Idaho? 
You know, we actually met the organizer of that and he came by and yeah, and we, 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 we kind of adore him. He was a super Mm -hmm. nice guy. So um, I don't know if we have firm plans, but it is on our radar just because we thought it was kind of neat and, you know, small and, you know, Mm -hmm. authentic and it's growing. I mean, a lot, a lot of these expos that have just been around for years are they're growing fast. Yeah. They, they really are. Um, I know Misty and I will be out at that one at oh, great. Uh, Teton Overland Show. Uh, we're going to have a um, a ladies' lounge um, there, um, and then you know a panel to have a, a ladies' panel. Um, we'll podcast out there uh, and, and do that as well. So that would be if you guys do go, let me know. We might want you to be over on the panel and talk. Yeah, I would love that out with us a little bit that would yeah. be awesome. um what part of alaska did you live in i grew up in fairbanks which is like right in the middle and then my um my parents were both in education which meant that they kind of had summers free and my dad was a obsessive fisherman so a lot of our travels was based on hey where are the fish running so we spent a lot of time down in homer um in, in that area and then also uh, you know, we were in Valdez, and then we went north and up into the lakes. We, we were all over. So you did a lot of fishing as a kid. Ton Safe of fishing. Safe to say, salmon fishing. Salmon, halibut, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, Dolly Varden and smaller stuff. I actually, like, you can see this, I have a tattoo of a fishing fly on my arm. <laughs> that tells you something. <laughs> she likes fishing, people. I she do like fishing. <laughs> I was going to say, do you still fish? I still fish. It's great out here. Oh, I also lived in Ketchikan um, for a summer as well, which is a really cool town. Um, In between working, yeah, in in between working for Dragoman and um, Earth Cruiser, uh, I I was up there for a summer and I was actually a scuba and snorkeling instructor up in Ketchikan. And I know that sounds weird, but the diving is amazing there. No, I mean, I, I could see you've done so many things <laughs> in your life. That is, I'm, my mind is blown. I mean, I'm living, I'm living vicariously through you. I'm so boring. <laughs> I'm so boring. I'm sitting here realizing like, wow, I need to get on the stick and do some of this stuff. Got to get you up to Alaska. I know. I'm telling you, it's, it's on the list to do that. It's on the list to do that. Uh, we have a friend that just moved to Alaska. Perfect. Um, uh, just like two weeks ago. Okay. Two weeks ago, yeah. Packed up from Oklahoma and just moved on up. Yeah. Yeah. Moved up to Alaska. Got a job and, you know, living his best overland life up there now. What I would recommend to do if you decide to do a big overlanding trip there is to put your vehicle on the ferry one way or the other. And I don't know if you know about the Alaska Marine system. It, um, starts down in Bellingham, Washington, outside of Seattle. Mm-hmm. You could drive your vehicle right on the ferry and the ferry goes to the inside passage. So it's the same route that the cruise ships go. So the water tends to be nice and calm and it's absolutely stunning. And you'll do like kind of hopping uh, towns like Ketchikan and Juneau um, on your way up. And then you end this year, it's in Skagway, usually goes all the way up to Whittier, um, but you'll, you'll end at the bottom of Alaska and then you can start driving. And that's going to save you from having to go through Canada, kind of into the town of Toke 
and then back the same way. So you won't have to double up quite as much. And the ferry is also really, really cool. It's a great way to see a bit of Alaska. I did not know that. That is something I'm you're, you're blowing me away. <laughs> I will happily plan all this for you. I love planning trips. <laughs> blowing me away right now. I can tell that you've absolutely, you know, done the whole guide thing, like all of that. So I'm going to guess that you've hunted quite a bit being Alaska. Um, grizzlies and whatnot i don't know <laughs> I, I um, yeah they're they're out there they're around it's definitely mm -hmm. something you have to be aware of when you're up there and just you know keep your camp real clean keep your vehicle real clean and be very conscious of how you're storing food so i've never seen anything but a black bear mm -hmm. which that's what we have here in arkansas and they're yeah. like full grown ones like 250 pounds you know but still they're intimidating if you run yeah. up on one um absolutely for sure. I, I don't even know what I would do if I ran up on the, the grizzly bear or something like that. I mean, most of the time they run away from you. You know, they're really um, in particular, if you're running into a grizzly like out in the bush where they, there's more problems is where they've been acclimated to humans. There's definitely yes. kind of dumpster bears in a lot of the towns. And there are some that get acclimated to humans and kind of go through campgrounds. And those are the ones that can be really problematic. But, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you run into one, most of the time they look at you and they run the scared. other way. Yeah. They're scared of you as you are of them. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. You know, just don't get between a mom and a cub or something like that. But, oh, gosh, no. Yeah, um, yeah. I would love to see a moose sometime. I think that would be really cool. Just the size of them is just amazing to me. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a little intimidating. I've been chased by a moose around Dang. a tree for a very long time. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> Did it have a baby with it or was it just, it oh no. It was a cow and it had a baby and this was in northern Idaho and it oh. chased my mom and I around a tree for quite some time until it finally decided that we weren't really a threat and got bored. <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I want to see one, but I don't want to be chased by one. The really scary thing about moose is just, you know, you don't want to hit one because they're so tall. They come up and over the hood of your vehicle and into mm -hmm. your windscreen. And that's that's where they actually really do scare me. So got to be alert. I'm the person that likes to watch a lot of the uh, Alaska shows that are out there uh, and whatnot. And you see all these things and you, you see like an accident with with one like you're talking about. And it's it's crazy because they're taller than the car. That's just yeah. a regular car. They're just. It, they don't look that big when you're just seeing them, but whenever you see them up against something and you're like, wow, yeah. I don't even, I, I don't know. <laughs> but I do love all those shows up there with watching them for years. And I think that's what's gotten, you know, our family so intrigued about, you know, taking a trip up there, but we'd want to do like a month, you know, because yeah. you can't really get the full experience of it. I think just doing a couple of weeks. I, I agree. And and all the kind of destinations are pretty far apart. And so when you finally get there, you're going to want to spend some time. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I know we'd probably want to do like a, a guided trip or something like that. I know my husband would absolutely love to fish or hunt up there for, mm -hmm. for sure, you know. Um, so we would definitely probably want to do a guide yeah. kind of thing or not. But I don't know if I can get on one of those bush planes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's <laughs> my jam. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's the funny thing about Alaska is on the one hand, it is a great overlanding destination because it's so far between towns and other people. On the other hand, if you look, there's really not that many roads in the state. And if you want to go to a lot of it, you are going to be taking a float plane in. Mm -hmm. That's how Alaskans get around. They don't, right. they, don't they don't drive to Nome, you know, they're, right. they're getting in a float plane in and out there. I know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I've flown on small planes, but just the thought being around all those mountains and stuff and the, you know, landing on a gravel bar, you know, Alaska bush pilots are good pilots. So you don't yeah. get to be a bush pilot in Alaska unless you really are a good pilot. <laughs> you would have to be. I mean, because you fly on a commercial plane here and that's crazy. I don't like I don't like to fly that much, but <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. I sound like a scaredy cat this whole time. <laughs> Swear to God. Okay. So give us uh we'll let you have the floor as far as your social media. Um mm -hmm where they can see earth cruiser and all that kind of stuff we're just at earth cruiser for everything so instagram we're earth cruiser facebook we're earth cruiser overland vehicles those are kind of the two main places we post um if you go over to earthcruiser.com you can sign up for our newsletter um that's a great way to see what's happening with us and then um youtube we're also earth cruiser awesome easy is there any kind of thing that you guys are currently working on mm. yes um you'll see you speak of it or speak of it in vague <laughs> yes vague terms is that we are partnering with gm on the hummer ev uh -huh. and um so keep watching um very soon in the next few months and you're going to start to see some real news and some real progress about what we're working on, on the EV Hummer. Man. Yeah. It's a whole so, new world. <laughs> now that brings me to another thing. Vehicle weight. Mm -hmm. And it being an EV. Mm -hmm. It would have to have one heck of a battery. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to haul that around so that that's going to be interesting yep there's a lot of a lot of problems to solve or challenges oh, yeah. i should say um i think you know one of the reasons that gm uh was excited to work with us is because they're really the same challenges that we've always been trying to solve in overlanding so we've always been trying to build things more aerodynamic but also lightweight but strong at the same time we've always been trying to be as efficient as possible with everything from our refrigerators to how our solar works so uh, in a lot of ways it was a pretty easy parallel just to make the transition from okay we're trying to be economic on fuel to trying to be economic on electricity a lot of r d a lot mm -hmm. of going back to the drawing board to mm -hmm. the engineers and and whatnot i'm sure but yeah. do, you, um, do you foresee that coming out soon or is it just now a starting Point. It's, it's it's still in a starting it's still in early phases so they won't be rolling off a production line anytime too soon but at the same time we're, we're making some quick progress and we've got a lot of ideas that we're getting through the through that's the awesome. process that's really awesome yeah, it's extra fun for our engineers it's a pretty cool oh, yeah. cool project for them <laughs> i'm sure gosh well ellen i appreciate you coming on the show tonight i'm sorry misty couldn't be on here with us 
Um, I know she's probably highly disappointed, but I know she will track you down at, at PNW. And I really hope she does. I'd love to hang out with her and show her Earth Cruiser and chat with her about her international travel plans. And yeah. yeah. And she'll brag how she drove one and all these things to me <laughs> and all that we'll, stuff. We'll send you some pictures together. And <laughs> she absolutely will. She's like, look, it's me and Ellen, my new bestie. You know, whatever. <laughs> love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyway, thanks for joining us tonight, y'all. Have a great week. Uh, we won't be on here next week. Uh, Misty will be traveling to PNW, so we're going to take the week off. Fantastic. We'll see you the week after that. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great talking with you. Thank you.